Welcome to the Lisa Show Book Club. We're excited to have you here where we are with Carrie Ann. Thank you so much for being here. My pleasure. We are talking about the book Alone Together by Sherry Turkle. And this is part two where we're covering chapters three and four. And if you're just joining us, go back and and watch part one where we talk about the introduction and chapters one and two as well. But we're going to dive into, uh, you know, are robots really toys? Are they companions? What are they? We're talking about that today on the book club, along with a lot of other kinds of themes that, that go along. Um, for those who are just joining us, Sherry Turkle has really done a really great job of laying out what the situation is, how it began. You know, computers were for hobbyists. You know? Enthusiasts. <laughs> Enthusiasts. We um, have created robots as toys. We're kind of thinking about them in terms of caregivers. We're not sure, and this is a perfect moment as they become more and more sophisticated to right. be able to take a step back and say, okay, so then why are we doing all of this? Is our intention of what it means to be human and our connections, is it serving us or are we serving it? Exactly. So, okay, so chapters two <laughs> and three, we were talking right before this about how it was kind of, this is kind of an interesting little this sliver of this book. Surprisingly fascinating because I'm not, I, I like technology. Yeah. And um, as a designer and artist, I'm I'm interested in technology for kind of, Many reasons, mostly in terms of letting technology take care of all the other things so I can be an artist, right? Right, okay. <laughs> all the things that I don't want to do. Yeah. But um, as I talked to other people, because I was compelled after reading these two chapters to, I kind of unofficially surveyed, like, people in my office, um, my own family members, like, anyone who would talk to me about it, I asked them a few questions. Okay. So I'm going to ask them to you. Can I ask them oh, to you? yeah, okay. sure. Okay. So first I asked— um, not thinking of your past life or your future life right, right now, mm-hmm. and like don't think about cost. But if you had a robot in your life right now, mm-hmm. what would you want it to do for you? Uh, I think manual labor. To be honest, I would want it to be able to clean out my car, clean my house. Um, you know, like I always wish there was like a dishwasher equivalent for like my floors. Mm. You know, different than the Roomba or the, you know what I mean? Right. Like that kind of stuff. Um, I really, really want like a self-driving car that could go pick up stuff for me and without at you. Target without me. Okay. Or drive my kids around like a, a robot Uber or something like that. That That's what I think of just initially. I'm sure that there's a more sophisticated Does, response. Well, no. <laughs> this was this was by far and large like what people kind of said to me. They were like, "Am oh, I typical?" Very typical. They yeah. said they said I want people to clean. Like yeah. that was no, the number one answer is like I just want people to clean up. It's the, it's what people don't like to do, I guess, or whatever. Does it matter to you though if you're a robot? This is kind of the second step having to do with these chapters. Mm-hmm. Does it matter then if that robot is humanoid, um empathetic or like that's one side of the scale or the other side of the scale where it's like just task oriented and it's not um, based on like artificial intelligence and learning. Okay. So this, this is a really good question and I'm influenced by these chapters. Okay. I don't want it to be empathetic and I don't want it to be a humanoid. I want it to be like a dishwasher, mm-hmm. like as human as a dishwasher. So I don't want it to have a face. Our fantasy of Rose, is it Rosie the robot from yeah. Jetsons? Like, yeah. No. No, you don't want no. a companion. <laughs> no, I have a dog for that. 
Oh, well, Gus. in in the chapters that talked about, is it Sony? Yeah. That has built the IBO, the A-I-B-O. Mm-hmm. The robotic dog robotic that dog. people love because they're not worried about destroying it or no. killing it. Or in or the case it. of children, it dying. Yes. Or, yeah. you mm-hmm. know, that I I had to go look it up. I went and looked it up, and I was kind of surprised. It yeah, hasn't really not, caught on here. Well, it's not as, like, cuddly and, like— mm-hmm. Compelling as I thought it would be. It's cute, like it's sleek, but I kind of thought that maybe it would be furry. But then they talked about the, um, oh, what did they call it? It's another companion animal that mm-hmm. looks like a baby harp seal. Yes. So it is yes. cuddly and furry and uh-huh. squishy. And they would give it to elderly people to mm-hmm. just like take care of, much like you just give baby dolls to have Alzheimer's right. patients. Or a lap dog, something uh-huh. that yeah. is tactile. The dog wasn't tactile, and that's uh-uh. kind of what surprised me. It was more for, like, interaction. Mm-hmm. And so the way that adults interacted with that dog versus children was interesting. The children were willing to suspend their beliefs yes. and, like, kind of assign emotions and, like, really kind of developed like this empathic relationship with it like Mm -hmm. taking care of it whereas um some adults depending on personality she doesn't talk about personality no which i think really affects how people interact with it was more talking about how children children really work hard for um and 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 she lays out in the book all these different case studies Mm -hmm. about how children work really really hard for the approval like do you think it likes me it wants the children it likes me better than it likes my friends Mm -hmm. yeah and and that kind of stuff (laughs) and it's interesting because then she talked about the elderly and how they uh they kind of know it's not real but they tend to prefer it because and they're willing it doesn't to play demand, along. And they're willing to play along. Knowing it's not real. Yeah. And I thought that was really fascinating. Yes. And um, and especially because in this book, Alone Together, it talks about how we immediately set up technology either to be babysitters for little kids or to take care of the elderly. Mm-hmm. And and she Sherry kind of asks the questions like, why don't we want to do these things on our, you know, as humans, why do we want robots to take over caregiving roles? What does it mean to be human? I asked people about that in my little surveys. Oh, yeah? I asked about um, babysitting or elder care. And granted, full disclosure, yeah. my my questions were not scientific and they were not done in private. And so, uh, like, okay. people were able to, like, we were kind of discussing this as a group sometimes. Mm-hmm. And so I think that if people had felt, like, a little more private and— safer, yeah. they might have admitted that there are some care um, jobs and tasks mm-hmm. that could be, that they, that emotionally they could handle caring for their loved ones, mm-hmm. where in kind of an open setting, it was kind of like, oh, oh well, no, I, 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 you know, I would rather care for my loved one. Right. Um, and we didn't get into like, well, what if a robot was more like, um, a nighttime monitor where mm-hmm. it kept someone company, where it acted like a camera or a microphone so that, you know, a person could call out. What if it acted as an assistant getting an elderly person to and from a bathroom and back? Those were That's where the majority of falls mm-hmm. usually happen or at night. Um, you know, so I think once people kind of maybe really thought through that, maybe they'd be a little bit more 
open to admitting there are some care tasks that Oh, I totally, I completely help. agree. What, I mean, yeah, what do you think about well, that? Well, because as a caretaker, so much of this part of this book was set up of like, listen, in in Japan, they're already super primed and open and excited for this because there are not enough young people to take care of their elderly population. Mm-hmm. And here in the United States, yeah, I've been a caregiver. I was a caregiver for my ill um, husband, an intense caregiver, and not an just intense a- caregiver. He couldn't do anything by himself, and. Um, and I've, I've researched caregiving around that, and we ex- largely, it, it, it's an unpaid, um, it really falls on women, especially in middle age, while mm-hmm. they are still raising kids and taking care of aging adults, and, and, and the burden is hard, and it's an unsustainable model, is, is, right. is basically, everyone agrees across the board, it's unsustainable how we take care of our elderly population. Um, but also caregiving too. Most parents are working, um, and so they're looking for babysitters and things. And so they're trying to think, okay, what <laughs> could technology solve this problem? And Sherry <laughs> says, "But is caregiving a problem? Are we looking <laughs> at it the wrong way?" Yes. So there's two different questions <laughs> that, here, and I love that. Like um, she says, you know, we learn that to sustain realistic relationships, one must accept others and their complexity. When we imagine a robot as a true companion, there is no need to do any of this work. So when we're talking about a companion for a child or for someone who's elderly, are we just saying just take care of them? Or are we saying a companion? Mm-hmm. Um, if they can give the appearance of aliveness and yet not disappoint Relational artifacts such as sociable robots open new possibilities for narcissistic experiences. Yes. And I thought that is so true. So like you have people who are like, I don't want to take care of my kids. I don't uh-huh. want to take care of my aging adult, you know, parents or whoever. Um, it will really serve a narcissistic agenda. And I'm not saying that people who need help are narcissists. Are narcissists. They I, are not. I'm saying quite not. the opposite. I'm saying this is a problem for everyone, is this the best solution? And I just thought um, a lot of times we think, oh, this is the solution because it's risk-free. And Sherry in these um, two chapters is saying it's not risk-free. It's just a a different set of problems. Let's not be let's not be, you know, unrealistic about it. So as far as like a caregiver, uh, when I was taking care of my handicapped husband, I could barely lift him up and transfer him into his power chair and to his shower chair and all these kinds of things with all the tubing right. and all that kind of stuff. I was young enough to. Now, in a, you know, in another decade, there's no way I would be able to do that. So transferring like a Hoyer lift is where you, is what a lot of people used mm-hmm. to lift people who are essentially dead weight because they can't help they at can't all. They couldn't themselves. even like, you know, lift up their neck or whatever. And a Hoyer lift, a really expensive um, and it's a huge machinery. It takes up a lot of space. It takes up a lot of space. That we couldn't afford one. Most people can't afford them. Right. Oh, They're sure. not covered by insurance all the time. Like, we've got it. Anyway, <laughs> I could go off <laughs> yeah. on all this. But so people are saying, well, if you could find a lightweight, um, inexpensive way to, like, lift people and, and take care of caregiving components, mm-hmm. that's different than being a companion. Exactly. And that's what she's talking about in Alone Together. We... Uh, we expect so much like it's going to solve all of our problems, but we, she's saying we need to take a step back and really evaluate what do we think it's going to take care of? What do we want it to take care of? Right. And her, and, and we also need to keep in mind that this edition is is 2017. Yeah. Five years old and, and how five much. Five years old, so much has changed. AI has completely yeah. changed in five yeah. years. 
And I think I think of this type of model that she's talking about of caregiving is more like um, the Disney movie Wally, uh, the 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 medical caregiver, balloon guy. Oh, why a uh, hero. Big hero. Big hero. Big hero six. six. I love that movie. Um, that he that he is he is empathetic, but he's not a learning AI. And so he has like kind of boundaries a little bit. Like he's mm-hmm. uh, this this um medical giving machine is not trying to um be a companion, but the way that the young man in the book, he begins to treat him like a companion yeah. because he is missing relationships in his life. And that that's kind of what and happens. And we talk about this in the book of like yes. little kids are looking for their parents' attention. And so to say, oh, yeah, yeah, and yeah, not, go talk to your robot. When they, yeah, when they don't get it, they're getting it from a robot. But as a parent myself, I and, and I, I just need to expand my mind and like— Okay. <laughs> but I'm not ready to trust a robot to yeah. like take care of my kids. Think about how unpredictable— mm-hmm a child can be mm-hmm. and the various ways in which they can make messes, get into trouble, like mm-hmm. screwdrivers, you know, around the house and <laughs> yeah. water, you know, Stuff. like st- just messes and yeah. things. And like could, you know, conceivably right now, I can't think of a robot that could keep up with a small child. And so then you have all these ideas about ages, like <laughs> then what becomes age appropriate for robot type care. You and know what I, I mean? Want, yes, and I wonder if Sherry Turkle, the author of of this book, would say, You're you're not ready for that. The technology's not there, but it's coming. It's coming. And your kids will be much more um uh, open to the idea because they're more used to it than you are. And I was surprised And the, your grandchildren? The kids' responses were, were if a robot can do it better than a person, let a robot do it. Yeah. If a person can do it better than a robot, let a robot do it. Mm-hmm. So as technology, as technology is changing and robots do become better at a lot of things, like better than us at a lot of things, like their main criteria for a babysitter are, are they fun? Yeah. One kid said, yeah. does the robot think about ice cream? Yeah. Like, yeah. can they be spontaneous, spontaneous enough to like— Are they going to be nice to me? Break the rules? Yep. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yes. So, you know, a child's criteria for this robot would be totally different than an adult. But something else I I think we need to mention in this robot section, yeah. um, the AI that is out there, we as the average consumer are not seeing right. all that's available. This is an important point. A lot of a lot of the most advanced technology with like um responsive robots, mm-hmm. um, conversationally mm-hmm. and physically are being created for the adult industry. They are, they are intimate companion robots. And so there's a lot out there that she she alludes to without, right. you know, without going into detail. It's talking more about relationships. Yeah. But there are robots out there that are already they're they're actual robots that's not like an Alexa sitting yeah. on your shelf. It's a humanoid robot yeah. that responds physically, that responds um verbally um to your actions. And Right now, it's pure marketing that it went the intimate relationship <laughs> route. Right. Yeah, when it was actually developed for companionship and and like uh, caregiving, caregiving, and so um, we'll see in the next few years what happens as I know I was that really struck with that. Oh, I was struck that it was one hundred. The, the guy they were talking about was like, oh well, for marketing reasons, like one hundred percent, 
It was yeah. just marketing. But then it speaks to how what we expect from relationships and what we're looking yes. for. Some and if if we want that person to be, com- uh, and I say person, but I mean robot, completely. <gasps> yes. ooh, see what I'm doing? Dangerous um, already. Uh, uh, not messy. Mm-hmm. Doesn't disagree with us. Yes. Gives us everything that we think that we know. No is that conflict, a real relationship? No friction. But also is is literally an inanimate object and does not have emotion. Can just mimic emotion so well that it can create it in you. Right. It's so interesting. It's like, um, you know, it reminds me of that movie, Her, you know, where yes. it, it is it, this computer program, much like an Alexa, running a, like a romantic relationship over text messaging and email but simultaneously doing that with thousands and thousands of others at the same way because that's what it's pr- programmed and designed to do. Right. But the human doesn't the, know any different yeah, because the I t- finds he feels out, so seen and heard. He feels and it, betrayed. Yeah. And it's interesting that you bring up like a Disney movie, right? Because the mm-hmm. stories that we tell uh, are ourselves, and I would even say, especially like science fiction, does have a real world connection to the kind of technology that we create and the kind of technology that we aspire to. Yes. Right? And so, and Sherry uh, Turkle um, in the book also sets, talks about Star Wars, AI, artificial intelligence, the movie WALL-E. All of these stories mm-hmm. are giving us clues and hints as to what our human needs and desires are. People don't write these kinds of stories. They don't become so popular unless they touch kind of like a human nerve and like, this is where we think it's going. This is what right. I want, you know, like an AI. Or where we hope it's going. I you know, know. This is a hope I think we have that, um, like in the, she mentioned the movie Nine, it's like a dystopian mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but the robots were instilled with human values, yes. and they're trying to protect those human values. And and in Wally, the cartoon Wally, it's a robot that saves the Earth and saves yeah. humanity. And so, well, Ed, but in an AI, hoping, it's a gre- grieving parents want to bring back their dead son. That is one of the most disturbing movies. It, okay, so uh, it is. But if you onto can movie programmed corner. a robot to like fulfill a, a relationship, if it is so realistic and so lifelike, if you are grieving and you want to download somebody's memories and personality, especially if they live their life online and it be, can become realistic, mm-hmm. either as a robot or a hologram, I so many, how will that impact the grieving process? How will that, uh, you know, impact our physical world relations and relationships moving forward. I mean, it will have huge consequences the more realistic it becomes. And ethical. And ethical. As well. I mean, you know, what if you wanted to, I mean, this is, like, what if you wanted to recreate Marilyn Monroe and have her be, you know. Well, people will do that. Your companion. 100% that will happen. Right. And so we we get into, like, ethics and law on this Mm -hmm. of what, like, like, what privacy do you have? as a being like what yes. what makes a person a person and a robot a robot and i don't know if it's in this i don't think it's in this specific chapter but it's coming up but it talks about how an, a a robot designer did actually did this and created um robots mimicking himself his wife and his children and the and his oh and his kid was like freaked out it was like i don't want to see a robot that looks exactly <laughs> like my dad like the kid did not like it yes but it was 
saying, this is this is what we're going to do, like to live forever. Uh-huh. You never have to say goodbye. I mean, can you see that like being marketed? Yes. And it's these kind of ethical dilemmas. And I thought it was really interesting that it brings up then this question of harm. Just because we can do something, should we just do whatever we can do? Right. You know, is this a game for grownups or a more grown-up game? Is it a game at all? To treat these robots as toys is to miss the point. And even children know it is what, you know, she says at the end. And I love how um, this appearance of aliveness and and yet not disappoint, um, it, it, it is a question of harm. Right. And Sherry says that dependence on a robot presents itself, again, as risk-free, a safe haven, and an unsafe world or cousins to a closed world, the lovable as safe and made to measure. But who's left out? My goodness. All, all, who's left out are the people who... Need relationships. All, all again, personality comes in. Um, okay. Uh, there were a couple of case studies where, for instance, a man who had been married three times, yeah. he recognized that um, he was a difficult person to live with, mm-hmm. and that he was selfish. And so, it was really satisfying for him to have a robot relationship. You know, with the dog, whatever. Yeah. Where where he doesn't disappoint. Where, yep. but he also mentioned. But having a real, a real, uh, an alive companion would also be nice. And I thought, man, yeah. you, you can't have your cake and eat it too. Uh, you can't. But we think we can. We I think that technology we think is going to solve uh, our problem of loneliness and disconnection. We but, do. But how then that person who is then able to indulge in a selfish, um, one-sided relationship is still functioning out in the rest of the world, yes, and how, and, and then how he is treating others. So the harm is not the harm is not only like to ourselves, where we lose the ability to be empathetic, um, as she talks about. It also um, she talked about physical harm that some of the kids with the dogs um, would like knock it over and kind of be rough because they knew that the dog wasn't physically hurt. And so then you have to wonder that type of behavior, how does then that begin to translate as that child matures? And the same problem comes with, um, and sorry to reference this again, but those intimate companion robots, Mm -hmm. that you you can do anything to those humanoid robots and with no consequences, with, with, with no, um, I mean, you can commit crimes without consequences. And so how does that mentality affect our society? How does that affect that person, the relationships that person has with other real people? I, that's kind of what frightens me when it comes to the kind of companion thing is, is the behavior that is a little bit subversive. What can I get away with? Yeah, and I mean, we have that instead problem of now. How like can I cutting Barbie's with hair? This, and you, you sure, know, it happens. But yeah, instead of the purpose is connection, but instead it's it, it kind of feeds those more undesirable, darker parts of our character, kind of thing. Ooh, but, yeah. But but I, I have faith in humans. But I was disturbed by the journalist that talked to Sherry. And when she kind of gave yes. her opinion, she was just saying, "Oh, I as don't... a psychologist, mm-hmm. yeah, that that you know she wasn't like super excited about AI companionship because in her mind it's healthier to have conflict in, in relationships and to be able to resolve those." And at, the, and at her professional 
level yes. as a professional opinion. Someone who actually talks and helps yes. people. And this reporter called her speciesist. Yeah. And she said, I don't think the goal is to marry and have children with a robot. And he was disgusted that he she was would disgusted. Say that. And he extrapolated that if that's how she felt about that, then she must not be a supporter of other kind of marginalized groups. And she was and like, she was like, How did you Whoa, draw that conclusion? That was that's kind not what of, I'm saying. No. I thought that was so shocking. That, it was shocking. That we, we haven't I, I don't think the average person, myself included, would have thought, oh, we're there yet to having those kinds of conversations. What I've loved about reading this book is, oh, yes, we, we are, are there. <laughs> we need to be having these conversations. I, I appreciate you coming on this show and talking about the, these two particular chapters. Um, I Part of the reason why I wanted to do that, and and I really have loved our our. <laughs> our good, interesting conversation is I think we're having the wrong conversations with each other and with our kids. I think we're so narrowly focused on if our kids have cell phones and how much time they're on them. And and those are important things, mm-hmm. yes, but I think that is the tip of the iceberg. And I yes. think we need to be having deeper conversations with each other and society about what world we're creating for our kids and how we're using technology for them and presenting it and how we use it in ourselves. And these kinds of ethical questions and dilemmas of what it means to here. Con- connect, connect with somebody and what does it mean to be lonely mm-hmm. and what does it mean to have a real relationship and is the simulation of emotion just better than nothing or do we need to hold out as humans for real emotion? Right. I mean, these are these are the questions that we should be having with I am an optimist, like eternal optimist, happy, going to see the good. Right. But my alarmist warning here is that this is already going on. And we're the ones that are, we have, we're just catching up. We're catching up as adults. We're catching up to everything that's already going on. Yes, we are. Um, Just this week, there was another headline about a tech creator who was all for AI becoming sentient and alive. And so, yeah, it's it's happening. So. Now is the time to be having these important Let's conversations. Um, a great place to start <laughs> is reading the Lisa Show's book club, Alone Together with Sherry Turkle. This has been part two. Again, go back and watch part one. I really appreciate your time, Carrie Ann. Thank you so much. This has been fun to talk this about. This has been really fun. So in part two, we have been talking about chapters three and four. Uh, please join us next week as uh, for Lisa Show's uh, book club, where we will talk about part three, covering chapters chapters five, six, and seven, we're going to be talking about, well, then if it's all going wrong, what can we hope from robots? How can we turn the conversation around? I hope you'll join us. (laughs) 